It's now 12.45 p.m. Today is June 15th. I just got back from the vet. I had to put little Gonzo to sleep. I had to euthanize my little buddy. It's interesting the way that people can... You just play with... what a word is and then you give it a new name now it seems like I mean it's the same word everyone's agreeing to what it is but there's a different word now we're gonna kill your cat you're going to kill your cat you're going to end your cat's life today that's what you're gonna do You know, if someone says, you're going to end your cat's life, you're going to take its life away from him. That sounds different than we might have to euthanize your cat. There's a carcinoma. What is that? A tumor. Does it have cancer in it? Yes. Okay, so there's like a cancer tumor. Yeah. But you said carcinoma. Johnny and I took him in this morning because it was the last day of this. Antibiotics were put in his mouth and he just has not been eating. He's been wobbling. I looked online and they said one of the effects of a cat kind of wobbling around and this guy has been short of breath too. He's just laying down in the bathtub. He's just laying down in the bathtub. He, He liked to drink water out of the faucet I just turned on a little bit, you know, and these little drips would come down. And he would, you know, jump over the bath bathtub side and and drink out of the faucet, no problem. But lately, man, he's had a hard time getting in there, getting out. He hasn't struggled at all with me when I've picked him up. He always hated getting picked up. It's like, you know, getting getting to the near to the end of that rope where all those things that you might been been sensitive to this one other thing takes precedence over that you know was it was it toothache was it a toothache that the poor little guy had that was you know just giving him such a headache he stopped he stopped meowing you know meowing after a while his purring became uh quieter until it got to the point where I could just barely feel a little that that like so we took him in there today to get an x-ray because we figured let's get an x-ray before we give him anesthetics to get his tooth you know cleaned up and everything his teeth cleaned up when they found out that uh, poor little guy's been coughing a lot they found out that there was fluid in his lungs and that was because of you know, basically congestive heart failure and it just, it added all these things, the thyroid situation, it added to all of this stuff. What are some good things to look for way ahead of time, you know? What are some things to look for? 
When you don't know to look for these things, how do you know what to look for? I was looking up what, you know, what things could have been contributing, you know, to his behavior. God, it's so crazy, man. It was so crazy to hold this little guy. We're out there in the courtyard of this animal hospital. We're out there in the courtyard. And because uh, they have certain rules right now with with this place. And you have to... They come out to your car. And then um, everybody's wearing masks. And, you know, you give them your animal and a pet carrier or whatnot. So they euthanized and we went outside into this courtyard. And they uh, they brought him out there in this little blanket. And a little guy, little <laughs> like a little baby Yoda, you know, like a little baby Yoda. He's all wrapped up in there. <laughs> and uh, just so sweet. So sweet. And as I'm holding him, Jenny and I are out there with our masks. And I said, okay, have some time with them and then call us when you're ready. And just thinking about that, my brain, that clock ticking down. Okay, let us know when you're ready, when you're ready to kill your cat. Let us know when you are ready to kill your cat. And uh, just sitting there going, man, you're getting all, you know, you're getting all these, this like life flashing before your eyes. It's like, it's like, uh, when they say your, your life flashes before your eyes, like when you, I guess when you have, when you're about to die, um, they say that happens. People jump off bridges and their life flashes before their eyes. Their whole life. And so I had his life that I've spent with him flash before my eyes. And then starting to feel <clears throat> guilty about bad ways I treated him. mean unnecessarily mean you know you'd start taking it you take it for granted let's say you're hungry and you're in the kitchen and all the cats are surrounding you're like ah get out of my way you're, you're like swooping them out of the way with your foot and but then they crash into a water dish and the water dish spills and then you feel bad about the fact that you gotta clean up the water dish but then you feel equal bad that you probably hurt your little cat's leg because they bang their little shin in the water dish and then you feel equally as bad because you shoved them out of the way with your leg and he thought, man, why did I let my hunger and my, my tiredness and whatnot, headache even, let, let that, why did I let that be, take a priority over my love and attention to my cats, my little fur babies? I was thinking about the promises I made to Gonzo. You know, the idea of living, living, living somewhere with a field, you know, so we could just, he could just run, <laughs> he could just run. 
jumping, jumping around in the meadow. <laughs> I thought too about the idea of having a film studio, just those, you know, hallways, just setting them free. Go, Gonzo, go. And him just running up and down the hallways. feel guilty about all the times where you know I had spent days days in front of the internet just sitting there days and neglecting him all the times I didn't play with him when I could have you know these are the these are the things that go through your brain did you I mean We have different ages as to when someone, uh, you know, relative or or pet, all of a sudden things just go downhill, and you and you're like, dude, why does this seem like this all happened at once? And then you think, no, man, there had to have been signs, and you didn't see them because you didn't know to look for them. And then I started thinking, well, okay, if I'm in. You know, why didn't I, when, when Gonzo started kind of sitting off by himself and not jumping up on my bed as often, I could, I should have taken that as a sign. You know, I, I don't know, man. And then you think about all the good times that you gave him, all the pets, all the hugs, all the scr- scratches under the chin, just all the, you know, kisses right there between his little eyes. And I'm just purring. <laughs> when I used to work at that club, I'd, I'd, the bus, the bus would come later, about an hour later than the club would close, or when I'd get let out, is about three a.m. at night. And I'd walk. I don't know. This must be a couple miles. I get out at three a.m. And instead of instead of waiting for a bus for an hour, I'm like, well, it'll take me about an hour to walk home. So I'll just hoof it. And that's why I first saw night rainbows from the sprinklers. Those are really cool. Um, I'd stop at 7-Eleven. I'd get a hot chocolate to keep me warm. Some kind of donut something to chomp on just feeling so good feeling warm inside and all I could think about was getting home to lay next to little Gonzo and uh, wrapping him up there around my arm (laughs) he would lay in the same little spot he would lay in the same little spot and I go just put my arm around him like a little football boop Place my hand on his on his side, on his belly. Boop. Wow, man. <clears throat> and it's crazy, <clears throat> you know, just sitting out there at this at this bench, holding Gonzo there, and going, dude. In a second, you're not gonna be here. And in a second, I'm no longer, I'm no longer going to be able to have that luxury 
of being able to tell you how much I love you, being able to tell you how much I love you and petting you and hugging you, giving you treats. Poor little guy. He's having such a hard time breathing. I just had a shower and just cried and cried. And there's nothing you could ever really say that's a perfect thing to a person who's lost a loved one. There isn't that magic key you could take that'll help you. I'm sure there are pills out there that just go, we're just putting you on a, just zeroing you out. We're just, we're just, we're just, God, man. Holding, holding little Gonzo. And they had this little thing hooked up to his arm where they had like four different injection things. And all of a sudden, man, I hear him. His breathing gets less and less. Then his heartbeat gets less and less. And then all of a sudden, it's just... You feel absolutely no resistance. You feel no... You don't feel that, like, that tensing up of the bones. You don't feel his breathing. Just this weight. You can even see how his his, uh, eyes, when you look into his eyes, and he just goes, man. He just disappears into the all that is. It's so interesting with all the stuff that I read. Dolores Cannon, Abraham. I was listening to a lot of Abraham videos about pets passing over. You know, this is a celebration Who am I crying for here? I'm crying for me. He's fine right now. If I were to apply all the things that I've learned from these sources, or sources who I know who passed over and came back, had near-death experiences, all the stories, the past life regressions, Dolores Cannon did in her book uh, in her books her convoluted uh, convoluted universe uh, book series they talk how it's you know it's a transition moving over into this limitless you know he's coming back he's probably being born right now is another thing who knows what I don't know what he is maybe he's one of these flies that just came into the room I got the windows open and there are about three three flies flying around in their own little configurations. Is one of these little guys Gonzo? I mean that's the other thing too. It's like past lives, reincarnation. You just wonder how do I recognize that I knew this person? way back when because this right now is a past life wouldn't that be interesting to be able to uh, have a a past life regression in the present tense where huh you know it's interesting because Dolores Cannon will do that too she'll she'll take people into their past then sometimes they'll wake up there's a person who woke up as like this it was like they're up in 
on some base uh, in a planet and they were like a reptilian kind of creature. But they realized that was a future version of themselves. So my, my future version of myself, who knows what he is, what he's doing right now. Will he, will he be reincarnated back into this life in real time? I know time is not, you know, time is, time, time is just one long now. It's not constrained to whatever social constructs were given it. It's now, look at that, and then the horn outside goes, mar, mar. did you hear that? That's universal talk, universe talking. It's serendipity happening. So what did he teach me? What did little Dr. Gonzo teach me? To be curious... Guess resistance. Every time I picked him up, he'd clench up and he'd start swiping at me. I put me down. I don't know what happened to him in his past, but I, I, you know, frequently preferred. Gosh, you know, just let me hug you, let me hold you. These other guys, you know, other cats, they do. Let me just hug you. Let me hold you. And I guess, you know, if I'm in a fight mode, if I'm in a tense mode, then I'm not relaxing to what is, to the process. He taught me about kindness, about patience, because look, now I'm looking back and going all the time, thinking about all the times where I was impatient with him. And how horrible I felt about that later. Each person is a case-by-case basis. They may identify or affiliate with groups, identities, Many folks want to be associated with groups, but then when there are uh, rogues within those groups doing things that are unfavorable to a person who associates with that group, now they're in a strange situation because someone from that group is speaking on their behalf, so to speak. They're like, oh, I'm like, you know, I like this, but I'm not like those people. There's always that within every single community. case-by-case basis. So applying that patience, applying that to every interaction. Take this person as they are. We talked 
Jenny and I talked on the phone to Andrea Wisniewski. We hadn't talked. She'll call Jenny sometimes. I talked to her brother Brian the day before. And Steve. Steve tried committing suicide twice, once with pills and once slashing his wrists. And he came to some huge realizations when he was being taken care of there at the hospital by these nurses. I love these guys so much. Their mom recently died of alcoholism. Now Andrea has become an alcoholic. Andrea even took a lot of pills. This is after her brother Steve tried, you know, committing suicide. For some reason, that family, they, they have tricky times talking to each other. I love them. They taught me so much about what, what, what is preferable for a tribe. And I couldn't put it in those words back then. It wasn't until I got into improvisation. It wasn't until I went through Columbia College and learned about ensemble. It wasn't until looking back on all that stuff, you know, now, 20 years later, letting all that stuff marinate and then then realizing, holy cow, they were teaching me because we we would call each other the insomniacs. We called our group the insomniacs. Sangini Brombat, Steve Zabel, Todd Zielinski, Brian and Steve Wisniewski, twins, Brandon Trapp, Andrew was in there sometimes. She would, that's the Brian Steve's sister. She'd sometimes go in there and just kind of see what was going on. Jeff Littner was there with us. Sometimes Jason Carr, once in a while. Andy Smith, once in a while. Jamie Lee Wise, he was a part of the Insomniacs. Jimmy Byron. Wow. Wow. And you know, it feels so good when, like we would, so we would get together in the garage and we would read each other our, our poems and short stories and we'd share them with each other and, and help each other with where to move it next. Those guys really loved typing on the typewriter. I had a, I think it was a Smith Corona, but it was like a version of a, it was an electric typewriter. It was interesting. I could type everything onto this, like this interesting bit, uh, 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 I could type it all onto the screen. Uh, how I wanted. And then I think I'd, and then you hit return and then it takes what's in there and then types it all out for you. So you get the best of both worlds. So you're, you're, you're typing it into this little thing. You're typing it all out how you want it. And then it types it all out. So it allowed you to edit because then you could go back in this little, because it was a tiny little screen. And then you could save it on disk. I typed, wow, typed so many fiction writing classes, creative writing class assignments. 
with that. And that was the same typewriter that I used to type up my stuff. And I'd go over the Wisniewski's. And they used the old-fashioned chat, 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 chat. The ribbon and all that stuff. And, uh... No one said anything bad about each other. We didn't talk behind each other's backs. We respected each other's way of expression. And we all really loved each other. Brotherhood. And then... You know, it was a very... It was a safe zone. It was was a, a safe zone for experimentation. You want to be able to experiment. If you're a creator, you you need, you know, don't feel bad if you have the tools that enable you to do what you want to do. Despite what anyone's saying. If you have the tools to do what you want to do and someone else is jealous... That means that they want to be able to have the tools to do what they want to do. Now, they might like the tools that you're using and prefer those and go, well, I want those tools. It's unfair that you have them and I don't. Then you say, well, did you know in high school, you know, I I, I hit the ground running. I, I try to have, you know, work as much as I could and that helped me get there, and then that helped me here, and that helped me there. They're like, well, you're just you know, a spoiled or you know, you're just, uh, you know, look at you with all those tools. Well, I bought them, and why am I even explaining this to you? Save up your money, buy tools that, if you can't get ex- stuff that really sets your heart on fire, do what you can with what you got. There's a really good Freaks and Geeks episode where uh, Jason Segal is in it. It's so great when you look at Freaks and Geeks and you see all the people from the Judd Apatow group, how they've all grown out of this, grown from this. And Jason Segal Segal plays a drummer. And he's complaining to, uh, to to this dad. He's complaining to him. He's like, oh, man. My dad took my drums away from me because I had bad grades and, you know, now I got no drums. He's saying this to one of his friend's dads. And the friend's dad tells him, he goes, if you're a drummer, you'll find any way you can to drum. You get a, go get a stick and bang it on a rock. You go get a, a bucket and, and start hitting that with your hands. If you're a drummer, you'll do whatever you can to drum. You'll find a way to do it. And that's the funny thing. Just like bacteria, they find they always find a way around stuff. Just like with water, it always finds its way around stuff. That's us. If there's something that appears to be a wall or in our way, okay. How do we make it work? How do we make it work? How, how, how do we get this? How do we fulfill this wish? So having the tools to create what you want, having that space, having that solitude, having that ability to experiment and stretch as far as you want and knowing that you're not going to get judged you're not going to get critiqued that's what it was like with the Wisniewski's not feeling judged or critiqued it was like oh I can't wait I'm gonna 
the, uh, you know, I, I can't wait. These guys are going to get such a kick out of this thing. It's going to be so great to share it with them. And that vibe, you don't, you know, everyone doesn't have to needle each other all the time. They don't have to keep each other down or compete. It's just not necessary. Collaboration. How do we enhance what we got here? How do we help each other out with enhancing what they got here? Just basically do the best you can with it. How do we enhance what we got here? So I learned that skill. And then when I went off to Columbia College and they taught us about ensemble work and looking out for each other, I'm like, dude, this is what I do already. This is great. Wow, I didn't realize this was a skill. I accidentally... You know, it's so funny. We're always accidentally... We could put that in air quotes because we know the universe is conspiring to work on our behalf. Uh, but we'll accidentally, you know, stumble over something. And we go, ah, that was a piece of wisdom. That that feels good. I need to explore more of that. Maybe the people who are wealthy are the ones, you know, because I was—I think we were talking about this before. Geniuses. A genius is the one who realize that they are the genie and they're going to get it done. They're going to get it done. They're not waiting. It's just, there's no time to stop and talk or stop and worry and think and overanalyze. There's no time for that. There's just time to enhance what we got here. Which, by the way, I ordered a copy of the uh, Chicago Ensemble, that book I'd, I'd been raving about. I ordered a copy of that book for Dave Uchansky because he's, he's got, uh, he's going to be going into his improv class. I said, Dave, do me a favor. Please shut off your news. He loves watching the news. He loves watching the news. And it just, poor guy, his dad, his mom, poor guy, well, his dad is gone long ago. Uh... And his mom, Dave Wisniewski's mom, I mean, Dave, Dave Uchansky's mom died uh, a few months ago. And because of COVID, he couldn't have a service or anything. How is it that the numbers are rising with COVID? And along with the numbers of people catching the virus, along with that is are also the decisions of reopening things. Impatience has defeated the enemy. I really hope that you find your tribe. I really hope that, and it's easy, you know, look, follow, follow, you know, just follow that. Th- this was the thing I was going to say. It's like the geniuses, the people who who activate the things that they're imagining. Maybe some of the wealthiest people are simply those who took heed of their calling. 
of seriously their calling. Not worrying about manufacturing something, not worrying about trying to copy someone, just, you know, following their calling. That's all for now. I'll, I'll talk more later. Thank you so much for listening. It's very therapeutic. You're very therapeutic. Tell me your animal stories. Send them into inspiratoprojecto at gmail.com. You can even call the hotline 561-203-9179 or let me hear them. 